Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business show from the journalists at Business in Vancouver. I'm Haley Wooden. Last week, Ottawa announced its intention to create a national foreign buyers tax. And joining me to talk more about this is Jason Turcott, Vice President of Development at Cressy Development Group and a regular on our show. Jason, good to have you back. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, it's good to be back. As we know very well here in BC, there are parts of Canada, of course, that already have a foreign buyer's tax or a non-residence tax. So how useful do you think a national tax will be? Um, Well, I think you kind of nailed it. I think in the parts of Canada where uh, we have this real concern about affordability, we've already got these types of taxes in place. So I'm not exactly sure what the intention here is because I don't I don't see foreign, you know, foreign ownership and foreign investment in real estate uh, being a major problem in places like uh, uh, Calgary and Edmonton and Winnipeg. Exactly. Um, It's really interesting to see how it's going to play out. Any indication whatsoever of how it might add to or combine or replace some of the taxes that already exist? Are we looking at a potential additional tax on top of what we have here at BC? Yeah, it seems to be pretty unclear. I'm not, you know, entirely clear on whether this is a purchase tax or an ongoing speculative tax on, uh, on empty housing. I've heard, I've heard uh, indications uh, in in both directions, frankly. So, uh, you know, it'll be, um, obviously the the details here will be important, but uh, again, I, I really, I really struggle to understand beyond just pure cash grab tax taxation, how this is going to uh, move the needle meaningfully in any of the places where it needs to be moved as far as affordability goes. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that. Of course, in the absence of some of the key details, it's hard to know what's in store. But if we look at what's happened in BC, one of the things the BC government said is that in bringing in its foreign buyers tax, it was going to try and bring more supply to the market. It was going to address affordability. Did we see that? Have we seen that in the couple of years since we've had that tax? Well, I think year over year, the market in, in, in Metro Vancouver is, is, is up about 6%, if I'm not mistaken, uh, as of last month's numbers. So, um, you know, in the midst of a global pandemic and, and really a, the worst uh, recession we've seen uh, to have a market do that, I would say that no, it hasn't been overly successful. It was immediately successful as far as curtailing what was admittedly an out of an out of control marketplace in terms of the upward pressure on on housing but it has continued to see more reasonable upward pressures because we haven't you know it's it's one piece and uh, uh, I think you know trying to deal we've talked a lot about you know supply side versus demand side measures uh, you know in trying to address the demand uh, you're, you're dealing with one piece of it but you know again I look at a, a policy like this coming nationally, uh, trying to blanket our entire big country with with a policy um, which is tax based on, on on foreign investment, rather than trying to address some of the other issues that I think at a national level are more easily addressed. Things like labor shortages, um, um, you know, bureaucracy at the municipal levels and at the provincial levels. You know, these are all things that add uh, cost to housing here. One of the reasons why our, our housing is so expensive here is that it's so expensive to build housing here. Um, um, you know, even rebuilding on, on property you even own, already own, forget having to buy land, but we're, we're a gigantic country. So theoretically, you would think that to, to supply more housing here shouldn't be that expensive. We have lots and lots and lots of land. Now, the problem is it is a lot of it isn't where we need it, but, but the other side of it is, is that it just 
everything we do is so incredibly expensive. And I think that's the opportunity missed at a federal level, rather than trying to tax and put a blanket over this whole country, which is a total uh, disaster in terms of the potential economic downfalls from a tax like this versus trying to materially address some of the other problems that make our real estate so expensive. Mm. A couple of things there that you touched on that I want to follow up on. First, the potential economic downfall or consequences. What are some of the potential consequences you see if we do have our federal government move forward with a tax like this? Well, there's a couple of things that jump off the page. I mean, again, without knowing the details of it, it's hard to, it's hard to, to, to fully anticipate what they could be. But, but a place that jumps to mind for me is Whistler. Uh, Whistler is this is this lovely resort community that we all love to visit. It's a yes, it's very expensive, but it's also very niche and largely would not exist today were it not for investment, of particularly uh, Americans who who bought secondary properties there. Um, so whether we're talking about a, an empty home style tax. Um, which I have real particular issue with. And, and, and that's primarily around having invited someone to do something, meaning nationally, we sort of invited the world to come and invest here. And then once they've already done this, we punish them for not having a Canadian passport. Doesn't seem very Canadian in my, in my assessment. Uh, the other side is, is on um, purchase taxation, where in areas like that, where you take a where you take non-residents out of a marketplace, the marketplace is at risk of full collapse because they have been built around foreign investment, around around a global marketplace. You know, I'm thinking specifically about a place like Whistler. Um, Whistler has its own problems with creating affordability, particularly for residents uh, uh, that, that work on the mountain and employees, and they have to deal with that locally, and they do. Um, but to, to blanket with a tax like we're, we're, we're talking about could have really detrimental effects on, on the greater marketplace in a resort community like that. And there are, for every example like Whistler, I'm sure there are, there are others across the country that would also be impacted. And, and then at the end, what happens is you get lost in jobs, there are no new houses getting built, and that is a big part of the uh, the job market in those places too is, is new construction. Mm -hmm. In your view, what's some of the sort of low-hanging fruit policy ideas that the federal government could approach? I know previously we've spoken about potentially GST exemptions, you mentioned labor, what comes to mind? Yeah, I mean, I think labor is a big part of it. Labor, labor and um, um, some of the other input costs that we see continuing to increase, and those are really surrounding things like um, building code changes, uh, the ever-increasing emphasis on green buildings, albeit this is a very well-intentioned initiative, we have to do that in a way that doesn't continue to add to the cost of producing housing. Because if we want to meaningfully address affordability, we can't continue to see double-digit increases on the cost of building every year. And we have, we have unwaveringly seen that across this country, in particular in the markets that are most affected by affordability, like Toronto and Vancouver. We continue to see, even in a quote-unquote um, down market, I mean, although this year was a bit of a surprise, you know, 2019 was soft. We, we should have seen some softening through this pandemic. We just have it. It continues to cost um, you know, costs more because we don't have the labor and we're continuing to put new input costs into our pro formas every year. When it comes to labor, would it be something like, you know, encouraging people from outside of Canada to come here and work in our construction industry? Is that an example of what you're talking about where the federal government could step in and, and have a positive impact? 
Absolutely. Uh, whether it be through immigration policies targeting specifically people who are in the trades, who are skilled laborers, um, alternatively, um, uh, programs around encouraging our own young uh, people to pursue careers in, in construction and, and skilled trades, uh, whether that be through grants, um, just, you know, uh, promotional type initiatives, um, really trying to expand the workforce here because we, as a country, uh, we sustain ourselves through growth and that is population growth. And if we're going to sustain ourselves by nothing else than population growth, because we're really not growing industries meaningfully in this country. And we all like to talk about tech and all these kinds of things, but really as a country, we've survived and thrived for years and years and years and years on primary industries like mining and forestry and all these kinds of really yucky words that people now like to, 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 to avoid even talking about. So that means that we're going to rely for the future on actually growing, taking on some of the world's population. We have room to grow, but unless we're going to, unless we're, you know, it, we're prepared to put our arms around that and celebrate that we need people uh we need people to come here to help us achieve that so when people come to canada which we're talking about in the millions over the next few years they're going to need places to live and, and inevitably that will mean we need to produce housing uh at higher levels than what we've been doing it and more affordably than what we've been doing it you mentioned that this year was a little bit of a surprise that 2019 was maybe soft. Of course, this year we saw the impact of the pandemic, but it looks like the market has rebounded fairly strongly despite the second wave. Tell me what you're seeing in the BC market and specifically in Greater Vancouver. Yeah, surprising when you stand back and look from it, I guess in other ways, maybe not so much when you get a little more fine grained. Um, we saw a really strong start to the year. We had a sluggish 2019. Uh, some of that was some hangover from the, the, the taxation measures that we had talked about before. There was generally a cooling off period after the first half of 2018. Uh, and 2019 was not a great year. Uh, it was a little sluggish and it started to pick up towards the end. And then the first quarter of 2020 was actually really strong. And then what we did is we, we artificially stopped it, right? And when I say artificially, I mean, it wasn't market-driven factors or traditional market-driven factors that, that caused the marketplace to, to all but come to a standstill. And then all of a sudden you get into, uh, you know, towards the summer months when people started comfortable going back outside and, and maybe shopping for real estate again. Um, that, that energy that had started to roll at the beginning of the year seemed to kind of just resume. And, and in combination with interest rates that were on the way down, it just had a little, a little uh, a fuel on a fire there for a bit. And, and, you know, and the other thing that was happening in the background is people weren't traveling. Uh, uh, people were home, they were looking to maybe, they were home a lot, so they were maybe looking to upgrade that home. So there was a lot of renovation work happening. There was a lot of uh, buy and renovate work happening. Uh, so people were really focused on their environment. And so the local market, uh, when you combine all those factors was super active. And where we saw that most was in single family and, and townhome, um, uh, more so than condo, although certain areas of condo were also very active, but uh, definitely places with front doors were, were smoking hot through the fall. Yeah, do you think this working from home shift we've seen, is that going to play out meaningfully in terms of uh, kind of a market impact? People may be saying, you know what, I'm gonna be working from home perhaps throughout the rest of 2020, maybe all of 2021, I need space. My kids are maybe learning from home. We didn't put them back in school. Is that going to be a, a major impact or a major force on the market potentially? 
I think so. I, I think where we're seeing that is that some of the non-traditional markets, I say non-traditional meaning you and I wouldn't normally talk about them, are, are really hot right now, I think, because uh, um, people are comfortable with the idea that they don't have to be in the city all the time in order to, to do their jobs effectively. So places like the Sunshine Coast, Squamish, the Okanagan, these markets, these smaller markets have been very, very active. And I think it could be a trend that might continue because I think the longer we do this, where we have meetings like this over Zoom and other platforms uh, and people feel comfortable like, hey, maybe I don't need to be at the office five days a week anymore. I might be able to do it two days a week or maybe I don't need to do it all. I can take my business and do it around the world from anywhere in the world. Um, they're going to seek relief from some of the high cost of living in Vancouver. There may be other lifestyle elements to a place like, uh, you know, say Courtney Comox on the island that's also seen a little bit of a run there on their real estate. Um, lifestyle uh, driven buys are, are going to be a big part of our future, I think, because we have this working remotely thing. And I'll, I'll add one other point that might be the saving grace of all this is when that immigration floodgate opens, which we expect will start to happen. Uh, next year, and the numbers they're talking about are very significant. Um, those those people are going to primarily want to locate to the big metropolitan centers. And the fact that we have a bit of this movement out of the city right now might be the one thing that saves us from even greater uh, uh, um, scarcity of supply in our marketplace. Because we are creating a little bit of supply right now by a little bit of an outward movement in the inner city. Uh, and I think when all those people come, that might be the saving grace. That's a really interesting point, something to watch for, for sure, in 2021. Final question, just on the supply side, uh, you mentioned there's maybe a bit of supply being created by this transition further out by people, but when it comes to developers, I mean, what's happening, how much supply is coming to market, and are there at this point in time any significant delays due to the pandemic or other factors that the industry is dealing with? Well, it's it's changed the, the look of development where... Um, we got used to seeing some pretty impressive uh, projects, both in terms of scale and, and, and luxury to them, uh, become a regular thing on our skyline. Those are going to be tough to come by. I still think that uh, the, the elimination of, the, of that um, uh, of the foreign buyer is, is continuing to have an impact on those super high-end uh, markets. And the longer this goes on, I think the, the more people are getting comfortable with other locations to live outside of the, of the core. So we're seeing places like, you know, the Fraser Valley, Langley, the, like the, the lower scale uh, developments in terms of density really flourish. And there's, and there's two reasons for that. They tend to be the more affordable uh, product. So uh, that's what the market is, 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 is asking for right now. And it's also a more risk manageable product for us as developers to bring forward. The timelines are shorter, the costs are generally lower, they're scalable and they're phaseable, unlike a giant uh, 40 or 50 or 60 story high rise that's 2000 plus dollars a square foot. Very interesting. Jason, as always, so great to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, always my pleasure. That's Jason Turcott, Vice President of Development at Cressy Development Group. This has been BIV Today. I'm Haley Wooden. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back with a new episode of our show tomorrow. And we're done. Thanks again, Jason. Perfect. Nice talking with you. That was great. Yeah, you as well. Take okay. care. Cheers. Bye.